What's up, guys? Welcome to the first ever episode 54 of the Kind of Funny Games cast. As always, I'm Tim Geddes, joined by the coolest dudes in video games, Colin Moriarty and Greg Miller. For some reason, it feels like it's been a long time since we've done this. Well, the last one had Steve Gaynor on it, and we filmed that. That's why. Yeah. Was that... We filmed no. We filmed after the mm-hmm. the live stream has screwed up the entire month. Yeah, it feels like we've done two months. It feels like it's already February. We're in a time warp. We are in a time warp. It is really weird though. I don't know if we'll ever get back to normal. I think this is normal for the rest. This of This is our the lives. new normal. This yeah. is how it's going to feel all the time. Yeah. Ooh, I, I was like saying that. this to you earlier, but I really liked it. I came in this room today and I was like, Kevin, it's one of those days. And he goes, I think it's been one of those weeks. You know, come to think of it, it's been one of those months. Actually, it's been one of those years. And right. it's like, wow, it's quite accurate. We push ourselves too hard because we love doing everything we, we do. do. For all you big, beautiful, beautiful kids, kids out there. Yeah, cool dudes. They're doing stuff. I'm back. We're doing stuff. Talking about video games. That is what the Kind of Funny Games cast is. If you want to get it early, you can go to patreon.com slash games. Throw dollars over there and things will happen to you. You get the show early. You can get, if there's a goal, you get Kevin a mic. You already hit that. Yeah. We'll You've probably put a goal. new milestone yeah, up by should. then. I don't know what it will be. We need to think about that. But it'll be fun. $30,000 a month, we stop. We just stop doing <laughs> everything. No, 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 no. We'll let's look at all the haters to give us money, and then we can just retire. Oh, man. A, st- a, steady, money. a steady stream of income to not make content. Hater money is my favorite money. <laughs> the internet's yeah. better without pay you. Us, pay <laughs> us to not put up videos on YouTube. Yeah. Um, you can also go to YouTube.com slash games to just get the show for free. As it's broken out topic by topic the week after... You can get it for your money over at patreon.com slash kind of funny games. Today I'm wearing glasses. You may have noticed that. I did notice. Um, it's because my contacts, something's wrong with them. What's wrong with them? They disappear? Know. Not clear. No, one of them just messed up and my eye felt like it was burning and had an STD. Whoa. I was like, shit. Are you putting lotion or the, 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 yeah, this, the, the lotion? Don't put lotion on the lenses. The lenses. No, I've never I'm used lo- contacts. You put them in lubriderm, right? And then put them in your you eyes? You put them in something, yeah, but not that. I don't know what saline. it is. It's not saline quite water, is what it is. It's but saline. It's some other shit. It's saline, I believe. Yeah, it's like saline. Really expensive. Saline. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, so today we're getting back to normal games cast. It's also been a while because, okay, we had, we had guests and before yeah. that we did the whole. Looking back at 2015, oh, thing. there you go. And so it's like we've been doing a lot of topics that were just like you know lists and stuff mm. like that. This is the normal show. Mm. Getting right into it. Topic one is: Do you need to play a game to have an opinion on it? Mm. Now this is based on a lot of the reactions I saw to the list content that we made over the last couple episodes of the Kind of Funny Games Cast, where we're talking about best games of 2015, sure. what we're looking for in 2016, and all this stuff. And um, I'm not going to say everybody, but there was a fair amount of comments that were saying like, oh, well, if you haven't played this, you can't have an opinion on that game, or if you if you haven't beaten the game, or whatever. Mm. Very similar to the conversation we had before about reviewing games, right? Sure. Everyone has their own way to do it, or whatever. But I kind of want to get your guys' thoughts on if you're allowed to have an opinion on games. I think so. played them. I don't. I mean, I don't think it should be set in stone. You know, you hate a game or something to that extent. But you can look. At, I can look at a game uh, that I haven't put or that I've put no time into and know if it's for me or not for me, right? Based mm-hmm. on like maybe just the uh, genre it is, right? Like, you, I, I, it's this is a little bit dodgy, I guess, because I guess I've wait. Okay, so either no, so probably League. I guess I've never played. I've only seen played and talked to people and seen stuff and da da. I think Dota. Brian Albert let me play with him once and try to teach me. But 
I know based on my experience with Dota that League isn't for me, right? Like, mm-hmm. I have an opinion on that game. In terms of my opinion being that everything I've read about it, you know, like, I can tell you that about its fan base, about its impact, about how important it is right now and stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, I can tell you personally it isn't for me based on not having played it. I'm not going to sit down and play League, I don't think, and suddenly be like, oh, I was totally wrong. This is totally, I just don't like MOBAs that much. You know yeah. what I mean? That's not for me. Yeah, I think this goes back to, I think there's degrees of it, right? So, mm-hmm. Um, if someone comes up to you and says, there's a game called X Ooh. and you're like, okay, you don't know anything about it. You know, the so title Xenoblade Chronicles on Wii U. Exactly. Yeah. yeah let's say, okay. well, let's not say Xenoblade Chronicles, but let's say it's just, the game's just got a name and mm-hmm. they, and all you do is, you know, the game's name is X and that's it. Well, you can't really have an opinion at, at all about it because you just know the game exists. Right. Yeah. But then they're like, oh, X is a side scroller and you're like, okay. Uh, and they're like, X is a 2d side scroller with pixel art. What, what's so funny? I'm sorry. What? Kevin looks like a gorilla over there with this book. <laughs> he's slowly paging through it, but he's not reading it. And he's like turning it on its side and stuff. No you're like Coco the monkey no over there. <laughs> There's no words. Oh, I love that Colin's like, I wouldn't say slowly, quickly broke there. Where he's like Colin saying knows. something. He, he sees, I have the giggles. I'm he sorry. He sees Greg's doing something. He's like, All I right, fuck this what, Greg? I'm sorry. It wasn't on purpose. <laughs> oh, I know. It never is. It never all, is. This is what we do need to get him a curtain. He needs yeah. to be curtained off. $25,000 goal on Patreon. There you go. Yeah. Are you done? I didn't mean to do it, Colin. Don't be uh, mad. So you know the game's called X, and then you know that the game's a side scroll, and you know that's 2D. So now you're, like, getting down and, and, and dirty. And so some people are like, okay, so you can have an opinion on the game at that point in terms of, is it something you're interested in? Is it something you're going to be interested in? Is it something that a, a, a mobile player that only plays mobiles or someone who really only plays Minecraft or mobile games, are they going to enjoy this game? Probably not. So their opinion will be like, oh, I'm not interested in it. It doesn't mean you have to have an opinion on the game itself, because then you didn't see it. But Someone who's interested in the side scroller might go forward and say, well, X sounds like for me, you know, X is clearly going to give it to me. And so I want to see more about it. So I watch a video about it. And then I see that it's like really inspired by something I like, like Ninja Gaiden on the NES. And so I'm like, okay, like my opinion of this game is actually quite high. And then I, so my opinion is a little bit like more niche now. Now it's like, now it's getting like kind of nittier and grittier and maybe a little more valuable to someone else that likes side scrollers, but won't truly be useful to someone until I've sat down and played the game. And then once I feel the game out for a stage and I play it, I'm like, oh, I still really like it. Well, then that's more valuable than me just looking at it or me just knowing mm-hmm. that it's a side scroller or me just knowing that the game exists. Mm-hmm. And then maybe I play it longer and then maybe I beat it. Well, then like my opinion is pretty much paramount at that point. Mm-hmm. Consistent with everyone else's who's beaten the game because they've seen the entire game. So I guess what I'm saying is you don't have to have this situation where it's all or nothing. Right. Like you can have, it's like what we go back to with objectivity versus subjectivity in terms of reviews. There's no such thing as uh, an objective review. That's fucking completely, that's complete nonsense, but there are objective facts about games and you could have objective opinions about objective facts about games. I mean, that's kind of the way I see it. So when someone tells me that, Oh, this game is like civilization. Well, my opinion about the game not knowing anything else about it except for that civilization or maybe seeing a video or whatever is going to be somewhat high or somewhat optimistic as opposed to someone saying like, well, um, this game's more like XCOM, which is a game of strategy. I love turn-based strategy, but like, but I didn't really like that game. The, mm-hmm. the one like I didn't play the old one, but the one that came out on PS3 some years ago. And so that might make me a little more pessimistic about the game. And I think that those are all valid. It's a matter of being honest and open about gauging where your opinion is and like mm-hmm. how you're how you're garnering that opinion mm-hmm. to make it useful or not useful to someone else but you shouldn't like hide your own opinions based on you know some sort of cr- made up criteria mm-hmm. i do think that the apex of an opinion is having seen the whole thing just like First the apex of an opinion is listening to a whole this. record or watching a whole movie I, I i totally agree with that but i don't think that because when you look at it like i play a game sometimes for an hour and i'm like nah 
Mm-hmm. And that happens often. I haven't. I hope that happens to everyone because otherwise, why are you even playing games? You, you, you're just playing everything as opposed to playing the things that you really love. And I think that's a valid opinion for me to pick up a game and be like, nah, I don't want to play this anymore. Final Fantasy 13 is always a great example of it. I think you can have a valid opinion on that game after 20 hours, even though you don't really see when the game gets good in quotes until 40 hours or 35 hours. Mm-hmm. But that's a valid opinion because you have to spend so much time playing it at that point. I talked about how I reviewed Tales of Exilia 2 after 45 hours, having not beaten it because I've seen enough. Mm-hmm. And I think that that's a valid, a valid opinion. But I've also spent more time than that before I was comfortable reviewing a game. And so I think you just need to know where you sit. It was the same thing with Fallout 4 where I played it for you know 25 hours. And I'm like, there's nothing this game can show me that I haven't seen already except for story. That's it. Like, There's nothing this game has for me anymore. I'm not saying it's good or bad. I'm just saying my opinion on this game is pretty set. I like it. I think it's great. I think, I think I'm a little disappointed in some parts of it. And I think that might be valuable to someone out there. But that might not be valuable to someone who wants an opinion on, from someone who has seen the whole gamut. So... Mm-hmm. I don't know. So that's my opinion. I know no, it's a little. You, no, rambling, it makes but. sense. No, I like I like the idea of strata opinion. You know what I mean. And I think what you're talking about makes sense of being open to it. You know what I mean. You're talking about like you know when in our game of the year, best of the year, or whatever. And we're talking about like we haven't seen this or that or the other, right? But we're informed enough consumers on most things that we've taught, you know, read or watched a video or whatever from our friends at IGN or GameSpot or whoever, right? And you start pulling together, well, Alexis said this, but then I know Jim Sterling said this. And, da, da, and like, you can cobble together an opinion based on the opinions you trust, right? Mm-hmm. And again, I would present all that if you were asking me about a game that I haven't played. I'd be like, well, I know this person, that person liked it, but this guy didn't. But I usually side with these kind of people, so that's where I go. But obviously, somebody who's played more of it knows more. Yeah. I mean, it's kind of a, a, a dumb question to begin with because the... Opinion thing, right? Like, of course, you're allowed to have an opinion. Of course, you can have an opinion. But uh, this, I'm really more talking about like what qualifies this thing of opinion since we are on this side of the camera. I think that there's a different level of s- standard, right? Ah. And um, I, what you just said is absolutely correct. Where does that gamut end then? Like, where do you feel it ends in terms of, all right, if you play the game, you you play it enough that you understand where it's going, whatever. Do you need to play other games that are similar to be able to compare the two and all of that? Like, where does where does that line end? No, because I, I think this goes to where, what like, you can have an opinion about anything about anything you want for any reason. I mean, I don't care. You know, like, the, the, re, the thing is, is that you can have an opinion on a book you never read. You know, like, fine, like, that doesn't matter to me. What matters is if people know that your opinion is based on you having not read the book, right? Like, that's, that's the biggest difference. A lot, like, I like Ayn Rand, for instance, which is a, she's a super controversial writer. She's dead now, but she's, she's a super controversial libertarian writer, wrote Atlas Shrugged and and whatever. And people come at me a lot because they know I like her and they're like, you know, Ayn Rand sucks or blah, 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 because she's like, you know, very unsavory to a lot of people. Um, But I know that most people have never read her. You know, like mm-hmm. I know for a fa- I can go up to them and be like, name the two protagonists of what the book's about. And they'd have no fucking idea. John now, and Galt. John Galt's one of the characters, but Damn. he's really not, going one of the, he's not one of Oz, right? They're not going to Oz. No, it's they're going somewhere. Though. Oh, this is the one where he's, the John Galt's trapped on Mars. Right. Okay. He's trapped on Mars. Mm-hmm. Um, but I just use it as an example of like, I could always launch the salvo at these people of like, well, I'm almost positive you never read the book. It's a long, it's like a 1500 page book and I'm positive you never read it. Uh, but that's fine. Uh, what do I care? You know, and and so it's you can just know you don't like Ayn Rand because you don't like her for whatever reason. And that's totally fine. And I'm just using that as an example of, um, you know, portraying an opinion based on what the value of the opinion is to someone else. That's why I always try to tell people, even though people get mad and they're like, you play an hour or two of games. I'm like, well, I'm just trying to tell you, like, if you should take me seriously or not in terms of what you're looking for in someone's opinion. Mm hmm. So I used to do that in my reviews a lot, too. I used to really try to tell people, like, I played for this long or this 
I put I spent this much time with it because I think that that's a valuable opinion. If you or I just beat the you know I tried to only beat game games once, and when I re- I play games typically on the hardest difficulty level because I like to if if time time allows. But when I review games at IGN, I would play them on normal difficulty because I was trying to play them in a state of as least frustration as possible because I know when I play Call of Duty on veteran, I'm doing it for trophies, and it's actually really fucking annoying. You know, so what is call? I never reviewed Call of Duty, but just as an example, what is Call of Duty like, and what is the difference between running through it in eight hours and running through it in twenty? Mm-hmm. Um, and so I think that people just need to be the opinions need to be framed in such a way that people have all the information necessary to know if you should take the opinion seriously. So it's not so much, um, and there's no right answer to that either. Someone yeah. might look at me and be like, Colin, Colin knows I know two D side scrollers really well. I think I know them extremely well. And I can look at a game and or just play a game for a little while and tell you if it's mechanically sound or not. But maybe I didn't beat the game or not. But someone out there who knows that might be like, well, that's good enough for me. But someone out other else out there might be, well, that's mm-hmm. not enough. But I have to give them the information to know that or not. Yeah, and they I can see the, that with my trophies or they can see that with t- the, what we talk about. So, yeah, I think the transparency is the most important part. You know, it's like in any relationship, it's communication. You got to be open and honest with with what you're doing. And I feel like the more transparent you are with that. So the more you're like, all right, this is my opinion based on. XYZ components like I think that that all of a sudden not that the opinion wasn't valid in the first place but that's more of it's a fact at that point you know what I mean like this is how I feel based on this and like that is a statement that is a fact and I feel like it's interesting when people look at that and they're like oh like that's wrong it's like, it can't be wrong it's an opinion mm. you know um, or it's a fact and it's like no it is right because I did this is how I feel based on this you know, and um, looking at a lot of the, the, the comments recently, it's like it's crazy to me that people think that we can't have opinions on game X because we haven't played game Y or we haven't beat game X or whatever. And it's like what you were saying earlier about the um, reading about it and watching videos and like doing all that stuff. I don't need to do much of that to know what games aren't for me. Sure. And I, I don't. And I don't need much in the other way to look and be like, that game is for me. I'm going to fucking like that. I mean, it's, it's what all comes back to what we're doing with kind of funny. You know what I mean? Where Colin's always, Colin always puts it eloquently that he doesn't want to be up a game's ass anymore. Uh, it's the fact that we're not trying to be very eloquent. Very eloquent. Uh, that we're not trying to play everything to ha- say everything. We're playing the games we want to play that we would then talk about. So yeah, when we talk about like we, I think we talked about it in uh, the best of thing, right? Where like I'm like, yeah, these are our games. Da, 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 and we, I, I, no, no, none of us have played Undertale. Everyone keeps talking about that. I haven't played it yet. Would love to play it eventually. Not mm-hmm. you know, not being drawn to it right now. You know what I mean? Same thing like Xenoblade Chronicle X, right? Not the exact same thing because I don't yeah. want to play Xenoblade Chronicles. I understand it's awesome. Mm-hmm. Grimecraft loves it. I yeah, read you, about it and stuff. But see, here's the thing about Xenoblade, for yeah. instance. I know you hate that game, and that, and that's I don't when hate you hate it. No, but you would hate it because yeah. it's an, it's 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 not for you. Like I yeah. know your gaming taste, and so I could I could literally look at that game and be like, no, yeah. No. And that's you why know, I said like, it's not the same not as Undertale. Yeah, Undertale yeah. is something I would like to play, whereas Xenoblade, I look at it, I'm like, not my kind of game. Yeah, exactly. And I think Life is Strange is another good example of that. You know, like going, going into that. it, you it was at a weird point where now you've played and love it, but at that point you hadn't totally played it and yeah, finished yeah. it and everything. And it's just like, but you knew. You just knew that you would like that. And you were right because you know yourself. And people come to you. I know my body. You know I've explored it. And I mean, this is funny, like going back to the relationship shit, like talking about communication, honesty, like the other most important part about a relationship is knowing who you are and knowing what you're putting out there. Mm-hmm. So it's like, as long as you're genuine to that, it's going to be kind of easy to figure out what you're going to like and what you're going to not. And then, then the opinion comes on a more, you know, point by point basis of how much do I like it? Why? And like all the mechanics and all this stuff and what don't I like about it and how, what could be better and all that. And that stuff only gets to the point when you are someone that's really hardcore. Like you could talk about Ninja Gaiden forever and like break down all the things you liked and all the things you didn't like. Whereas maybe you couldn't do that about 
a Call of Duty that you played through and enjoyed very much, but you didn't. Like, you don't know what the fuck the characters' names are, but it doesn't matter because that's yeah. not why you like those games. Yeah, and I, I mean, I, and that's the way of breaking it down and compartmentalizing things, too. I know shooters. So, like, I like first-person shooters a lot. Um, and it's a weird, it's, it's, some, it's a thing that surprised a lot of people. That might be, like, one of my favorite genres is the first-person, like, the single-player first-person shooters. I fucking love shooters. And and uh, so on a mechanical level, I can tell you all about it. But, yeah, on a, on a story-based level, even though Call of Duty stories should intrig- intrigue me because they're very Tom Clancy-esque and future history and all that kind of stuff, it's not what I play those games for necessarily. I play them for the mechanics. So I could I could talk about the mechanics. So it's about compartmentalizing things too. The the bigger thing to me is at the end of the day, and I, I don't want to say this ineloquently because because people obviously care about others' opinions. Um I read columnists I like about sports or politics. Uh I read, you know, there are some certain game writers like Alexa or uh Jason over at Kotaku Alexa being a game spot that I really like. I like reading their stuff, especially, you know, with Alexa really kind of carrying the torch that I, you know, try to light at IGN with like long form content and all that kind of stuff. But at the end of the day, I never waste time being like, your opinion is wrong. Your opinion sucks. Mm. Like at the end of the day, I don't care that much if someone else has another opinion that's, that's, that's different from mine. I actually really don't care at all. And that's like the, that's the bigger thing is like, we should have a, a marketplace of ideas um, and exchange them and talk about them. But at the end of the day, no one's right or wrong. And I often wonder why people get so hung up on someone else's opinion um, that they're distraught about it or they have to leave a rude YouTube comment or a rude tweet or whatever. It's like, it's really not like the, the earth's still spinning on its axis and everything's totally fine. If someone doesn't agree with something you say um, or doesn't have all the information or you're bothered by a person maybe not having all the information that you think is the prerequisite that they need, similar to the tweets I get about Ayn Rand sometimes. That's why I brought it mm-hmm. up because I'm like, I don't care. You yeah. know, like, I, I, didn't, like I, I just don't care. Like, I still like it. And I hope everyone has the fortitude to still like things, even if someone disagrees with their opinion. Um, I think everyone agreeing with each other, having the same opinions is super fucking sterile and boring and Orwellian. And I wouldn't want uh, a situation like that ever to arise. In fact, I want like... You know, I think that my opinion on Bloodborne, having played it for 20 hours, is a valuable opinion to people that might not like Dark Souls or Demon Souls like I didn't or might not have the time to play the game all the way through or might want a, an opinion of someone who kind of came around on the on the type of game as opposed to an opinion from someone who is a Dark Souls or Demon Souls veteran who played Bloodborne through several times or whatever. They're not really even speaking to the same people I'm speaking to mm-hmm. in, in, in a way. So I think that there's a in the marketplace of ideas, I think there's like room for different verticals of um of opinion it's really just important about framing them properly i would never come on here and i never have and i never will um come on here and be like tharsis is awesome and i played it for 40 hours that's a, that's a lie i never played i played tharsis very briefly and i gave you my very brief opinion on it but when i if and when i play tharsis for 40 hours maybe i'll have a different opinion and i'll let you know based mm-hmm. on the new framing of the opinion um so it, it, it's just a kind of a confusing thing to me because i like it's it's like watching a football game and and or just looking at the box score of the football game you can still have an opinion on the on the football game knowing only the statistics of what happened you know that the quarterback played well his quarterback ratings a 110 he threw only one pick and he had four touchdowns and this guy lost a couple fumbles when he was rushing so he probably had a pretty down day and i don't know you can frame your own opinions without having ever even seen it Mm -hmm. and i don't think that that's invaluable i guess is all i'm saying but you may want to let someone know that you didn't actually watch it yeah that's all i'm saying no, I mean, that's great. It's a very good summary. Do you have anything else to add? No. Good. 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 Topic two comes from Patreon. Hey. 
Michael Wayne says, Colin, Greg, and Tim have stated many times that they're not really fans of online gaming. That's us. Why is this? Do you just hate dealing with lag issues? Is it a consistent gameplay experience problem? Trust me, I know how frustrating online gaming is, and I can understand the allure of dodging the headache altogether. In recent times, I too have thought to myself, you know what? I'm about done with online gaming, even though I'm not entirely sure that's a reasonable thing to say, given where the industry is and where it's going. All my favorite games are from the 90s, and more and more I feel like the magic that was that was online gaming a decade or so ago has all but entirely lost its luster. I'm still thoroughly enjoying online co-op stuff, but the player versus player stuff, even though I'm good at it, is always full of inconsistent and migraine-inducing experiences, so it has become a huge turnoff for me. You'd think you'd be all over it with the internet connections you guys get out there. We just got 15 down, one up here in Maine just a couple years ago. It's terrible. Know how long it takes to upload a 250 megabyte YouTube video? About 50 minutes. Jesus. So sorry for you. So sorry. This is no way to live. Get out of Maine. What part of yeah? But what part of Maine? I don't believe that that's all. Lobster Maine. Roll Island. You, you must live in like Presque Isle or something like that to get. Anyway. Anyways, I think the online gaming discussion would be a great topic for an episode. You guys mention it often enough, but haven't really gone into detail about your thoughts on it yet. Mm-hmm. I thought this was interesting as well. It is a good topic. I, I think that we all don't do it for different reasons. Sure. I'd like to start with you, Colin. Well, I think he's. Totally missed the point of why I'm not in online gaming. No, I think, lag. I think, you hate the lag. And I think that we're all kind of, maybe not all consistent. I think I, I, I think you guys play online more, especially Greg, more than way more than I do. Um, I just don't want to. I, I, it's not, it's what I've said before, I don't play games for these reasons. Now, there are some games that I've definitely enjoyed online. I've often brought up the example of Rainbow Six Three, which I played for hundreds of hours online when I was in college on Xbox, the original Xbox. I fucking love that game. Um, it's scratching a specific itch when the last of us came out more recently in 2013 I played it for about 40 or 50 hours online I was doing it for the trophies because the trophies are fucking obnoxious online but then I realized that I actually really enjoyed playing it um, but there comes a point where when you play a video game against an AI the difficulty is not necessarily consistent but it's predictable so when the difficulty ramps up, you know that it's kind of always going to be the same. And when you want to play a game online in some sort of competitive way, and I'm not saying like professionally, but like you want to have fun by being, you know, decent at it, at least having an even kill death ratio or whatever, you have to stay consistent with it or you're just not going to be very good at it. And we saw this over and over again at, at IGM when we'd have to review the online portions of the games. And we would do that in test and what, what they would call test environments because the game wasn't out yet. Um, and I'd be pretty good at some of these games. And then I'd go back a week later and play them online again. And I'd be getting my ass kicked. And that's my own fault. I'm not saying that. Uh, that's something wrong with the game. It's not. It's to say that I would, if I want to play Battlefront, for instance, and actually enjoy myself, I'd have to only play Battlefront for a long period of time because the 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 scaling difficulty is based on the entire community having played the game extensively. So there's just a lack of balance there in terms of the way I, what I'm looking for in games. I want to go into a gaming experience and just play at my own pace. Um, I think I'm a pretty good uh, gamer in, in in specific genres, and I like playing those games and challenging myself with those games and also challenging myself with things that I'm not very good at. But I don't want to like base it based on the way other people play or having to find other people to play with or, you know, you could, you can deal with technical issues or, you know, the lack of a server population and all those kinds of things. I just play games to be by myself, to have fun by myself, to unwind by myself. Um, I don't want to talk to anyone when I'm playing a game. I don't want to know anyone's with me when I'm playing a game. It's the same when I was playing Borderlands 2 some time ago. Uh, I forgot to shut my um, my you know like my matchmaking thing off, so people would kept joining my games. And I just kept kicking them out, and I felt bad because I'm just like I and then I you know shut it off. But I was like I this is not this, this. Some people Borderlands is running around with three friends. To me, Borderlands is not running around with fucking anyone. Yeah, you know? and that's the way I want to play it. Um, and I think the big litmus test for me is going to be the division because mm-hmm. um, there's so much ebb and flow in terms of the way they talk about the game. Uh, 
and they promised on Twitter over and over again. I got like I literally got like scores of people t- telling me like, oh, they just said that you can play it by yourself and all that kind of stuff. But then they say you will die alone in the trailer. And I'm wondering is if if you play alone, you'll die alone or you're going to die alone. <laughs> like, is it like some sort of philosophical yeah, yeah, yeah. thing? Like, I don't you know, I don't like I don't you know, I don't. Yeah, we're all die alone. That's true. Uh, so <laughs> thank you division. So, you know, you know, like, so like there's, there's certain litmus tests that I'll have to kind of overcome because the division looks so good to me that I might bend on having played a game online. And I don't think there's a game on, that I played online to any extent without, and except for getting trophies for like the reason of getting trophies since the last of us. I think that was the last game I've spent any more than two hours online. You know, I, I played far cry three online with some, some IGN fans at the time just to get the trophies, um, you know, and, and dabbled with some other online games or, but I've never been interested in playing online because that's just not what I'm looking for when I play games. Even when I was a kid and we only had local co-op um, or comp- you know local cooperative or competitive co-op, I wasn't interested in even playing it like that either. Like I wanted to just be alone. Mm-hmm. You know that's so that's you know that's my stance. Greg, uh, yeah, I mean for me it's definitely uh, the way I was raised with video games. Right, the video games to me are a single player experience, and I feel even when online was coming on strong, you know what I mean, like. I always go back to the fact of like, you know, when I write a review, when I talk to you, the best friends, when I do all this stuff and where even the best friends come from, right? The terminology is the fact that when I'm talking about a game, I'm talking about games the way I used to talk to Poe about games in the basement of my house with all my friends, where in my group of friends, I was the gamer. They enjoyed games. They maybe one or two of them had a system that probably wasn't current. You know what I mean? But they didn't love games like I did. So I was that guy. So I grew up isolated in that way where it was you go to GameStop and you or EB, you know, Funko Land and be blown away to talk to people there or the attendant there, the clerk there to talk about games and like express what you read in EGM and try to have these conversations. Right. And so even when Poe finally bought a PS2, and brought it home. We bought that SOCOM adapter, right? And we wanted to play SOCOM. And it wasn't, it didn't work out. Obviously, the connection sucked and this, yeah. that, and the other. And it wasn't a fun game for us, for us. And, uh, you know, we went back to just playing, you know, we each have our football game and then come over and do these things or whatever, hang out. Um, you figure I go to college, right? At PlayStation 2, you know, I go to college with my PlayStation 2 in 2001 and stuff. And, I missed the train with Xbox, the original Xbox, didn't have any money to get one at first, so Halo's becoming this thing over there, and it's not, I have a a couple friends in there, but even in college, I was like, I was the gamer guy, you know, my my best friend in college, Hayes, you know, bought a GameCube right away, and we went and played local stuff, Mm -hmm. but at no point was online becoming a thing where that was, and even when you jump to, when 360 and then PlayStation 3 come out, and PlayStation 3 comes out a couple months before I get hired at IGN, you know, I didn't go out of my way to buy either of those because I didn't have Ethernet. And I don't even think I had... I didn't, I might not even had at my first apartment after college internet, period. But I didn't have Ethernet for sure and I didn't have an HDTV. And so like these things were happening. So by the time I got to IGN, I have all this stuff, I'm ready to go, online multiplayer is the thing, I already feel like I've missed the boat. Yeah. So many people have, you know, Vegas story, you know, like, uh, Rainbow Six Vegas stories and all this other stuff and da-da-da-da, and like, they had done this, that, and the other, and I'm not playing on Xbox 360, right, because I didn't own my own Xbox 360, I couldn't afford it, and then nobody's playing on PS3, so when I bring home a PS3, nothing to really play online, let alone it's not something that's normal to me or, you yeah. know, makes sense to me. And so then... As time goes on and it becomes more and more, it's just not something that's there for me. It's not, you know what I mean? Like, there are the rare exceptions, right? Like, Borderlands is a co-op game for me. You know what I mean? And, like, that is something. But even then, right? 
what what Borderlands co-op is is either when it when Mike when Mike lived here, me and Mike in the living room on two TVs, or when for Borderlands uh, the pre sequel, Christine and I either yelling down the hall to each other while we're playing on the internet, or me on the second screen in the bedroom playing there. You know, I was, I was having a conversation while we play. Mm-hmm. Like that local co-op became more important, and so there's again the most notable exception, of course, is DC Universe Online, where you know I think whatever 550 hours 600 hours into that game or whatever and a lot of that is with other people but even then for me it it calls out all the problems that i'm i don't i don't like about online multiplayer of all right well we need these people to raid i'm looking for dps you're out there screaming for not even dps dps we're all you're looking for a tank you're looking for a healer you're Mm -hmm. shouting 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 because you have a group of friends but then you need one other person to get in there right and then you get in there and somebody disconnects and it's all fucked and you wait around for something to happen or i'm the rando and i join a random group and they get mad at how i'm dpsing and i'm not playing why why am i using this loadout why that's how i want to play like you know what i mean when i'm playing a single player game no one's there well, why yeah. are you doing this and why don't you do this and you don't know? And I'm like, no, I just want to play this fucking game at my pace like you're talking about. I want to experience the way I want to do it. And so then it becomes there's this other wrinkle to it that Colin already calls out of just like even when there is something I like online, like, you know, like Killzone 2 is the shooter that I put the most time in online. Right. But it was because I went home every night and played online with retail servers, went, 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 went. And then there was you take that week break and you come back and you're garbage and everyone's beating the living fuck out of you. And it's not fun. Yeah. You know what I mean? And that that was like, all right. And Destiny was a similar thing of like I was enjoying Destiny when it first came out. Then I went away for a weekend or whatever. Everybody was raiding when I got back. I was way behind people are like i'll pull you through and all that it's like that's not fun that's not what i, I don't yeah. want that you know what i mean like I, that's not the experience i want and so it i i don't i what, what excites me about the division is the idea of there being this single player content that i'm doing and then if i want i can go do it and i know you can do that with destiny but destiny i mean shooters are rare for me to connect with i like destiny but it's a big commitment to get back into and then it's always how much time do you have you know what i mean like I, the, when I do jump onto Destiny, I start getting requests from people to play with. It's like I'm only going to be here for 15 minutes. It's not worth jumping into this, trying to figure out that. I just want to go through and run these missions. You know, I want to go do this one thing because I've done it where you jump in and it's like all this stuff, and I just end up quitting. And, you yeah. know, real quick, I don't want to do it. Whereas with single player, you know, how you never know how long it's going to go. Yeah, for me, it's like it's a, lot, a mix of all that stuff. I think the time sink is the biggest thing. Just the fact that I I like games to be tight experiences where it's like, all right, I know this is 13 hours. I know this is eight hours. I know this is 25 hours, whatever it is. Or, you know, a Final Fantasy more like 40 hours or whatever. Like, I like knowing that. And with these, it's that time never ends. Yeah. And to a lot of people, that's awesome. And I will say that I think that, that the pinnacle of... In the enjoyment of a video game is if you have that squad of people and you're all playing that game together and whatever is your game, it doesn't even need to be one, whether you play Halo and Call of Duty or Battlefront or, you know, whatever it is, Destiny and all this stuff, like, or, or League or any of these MOBAs and stuff, having a team of people that you can rely on and, like, because yeah. I've seen Alfredo do it so many times with all of the first-person shooters throughout the years, from Counter-Strike all the way through all the Halos and all that, like, Seeing him play and seeing it work and him doing call outs and stuff and everyone knowing exactly and everyone just being on that same same wavelength and it doesn't even need to be MLG pro gaming like just competitively playing and like whenever you're playing against people that are competitive and it's all good it's like man that's there's nothing cooler than that there's nothing better than that I've never been at that level yeah. like I'm not good at video games never would claim to be good at video games um, there's certain things I am good at and I think that those are the things I've spent the most time online gaming with Tony Hawk's Pro Skater music games like Amplitude yep. and stuff like that back in the day um, DDR on the, the Xbox had an online mode that was all just like 
leaderboard stuff or there'd just be other skaters around and at the end of the day it was just a leaderboard just there happened to be someone else in the yeah, thing yeah. or doing like graffiti in Tony Hawk and stuff like that like but that, that it's simple I think that's what it comes down to is you can get good at that sure but you don't need other people involved and you're never going to be that good at it and if you are <laughs> That's weird. You know what I mean? It's like nobody's like really practicing to be the god of Tony Hawk's Pro Skater Graffiti. Um, and so that kept it fun for me. But I'm not going to go back to that that much. And I think that's where my online gaming ends is I don't need something that I'm going back to forever because I don't have that. Like right. I, don't, I don't have forever to give. Um, it's, it's, not, it's not even so much that I don't have it. I don't wish to spend my time that way. No, I, I, that's similar with me, right? Like games for me are like books or TV shows or whatever where there's a beginning, middle, and an end. You know what I mean? And so like I like getting to the credits. Oh, that was fun. Maybe go back and pick something up, but then I like moving on. And mm-hmm. I move on so much that that is the thing of like, cool, I'm seven games removed from where I was when I played Destiny. So even doubling back, people talk, talk it's another language. You know what I mean? It's, mm-hmm. like, and that's the same thing with DC Universe Online. I'm always talking about like, if I always said if I if we weren't working at IGN back in the day and we weren't in this industry and I was just playing that game, that would be the only game I play. But since it isn't, when I double back and I jump in and I'm like, let's check out this new holy shit. Where did they move everything? What is yeah. this? Where? What do I need as a CR right now? Okay, where do I get? You know what I mean? It's mm-hmm. like, ugh. yeah, it's it's a lot like for me to uh, TV seasons where it's like. I want to know, or anime is actually an even better um, example. Like, if I know that there is 50 episodes and there's an end, I'm so much more likely to get into it than, oh, it's on even like season three, which isn't that bad. But there's no end in sight. It's just going to end whenever it ends. It's like, I don't like that. Like, I like knowing that there is thought put into where it's going and all of that. And with online gaming, it's kind of like, what is that? Like, what is the goal? And when there is goals, and this brings me back to um, like Halo 2, like with the level up system, like level 50. That was a goal that yeah. all my friends were trying to get. I knew I could never get that, but seeing them try to get it made me want to play with them because I was good at capture the flag. I can't shoot for shit, but I can capture that goddamn flag. So it's like I would play with them and do that, and all of a sudden then it was fun because there was something that I was competent at, and we were playing with a bunch of people that are at the same level, and it was fun, and Halo 1 was the same way. I remember trying to make Halo 1 online. like when I, I connected it to my computer and did this whole crazy LAN shit playing Xbox Halo 1 online, and I had so much fun with that because the people that were doing that were going through just as much shit as I was trying to get Halo to work through all this fucking technical bullshit, and I think that there's a certain level of um, like excitement and just achievement that comes with that, of just yeah. like, we're, we want to do this, and Smash Bros. is the same way. Like Getting Smash Bros. to actually work online with Brawl or even like before using a bunch of emulators and shit, like, if you were doing that, you were in it to have fun. And that was great. Now it's Smash Bros. I love online. Not nearly as much as playing with someone next to me. You yeah. know, and like that will always be true to me because what you were saying, like I grew up playing how games. You're raised. And that's how it is. And also I like Nintendo games. I like multiplayer Nintendo games. Those are the multiplayer games that I like. I'm decent at them. They're fun. And if I lose, I don't care. Because it was fun. Yeah. You know? And uh we've been talking about Battlefront a lot. Like I have fun with that. But at the same time, I'm not good at it. Yeah. Not nearly good at it. Um, and for someone that's been out of it so long, it is just foreign language completely. Like, even getting into online gaming, like, you need to know a lot. And that's coming from somebody that knows games. But, like, if you don't play that stuff, you just don't know. That's like talking to someone that doesn't know JRPGs, talking to them about mana. Like, they don't know what the fuck that is. You it know? comes from heaven. Exactly. Yes, that was, that was good. Um, but, yeah, it's that's why I don't play online games too much. Um, and I'll jump in here and there, but it'll never be my thing. And I just... I don't get enjoyment from it. 
It's still to the point. I mean, the one point I guess I left out is that I still feel like I don't have my friends aren't doing it. You know what I mean? Like when I made Alfredo teach me to be a first person shooter aficionado for mm-hmm. Titanfall, right? Like him and I would play, but like we're not like super bros. You know what I mean? And like Scott Lowe would dip in and dip out. You know what yeah. I mean? It's like, but none of you guys are, and none of the close circle is. And yeah. it's like, well, why would I? You know, I mean, I guess that's what I was trying to say with the like when you get it all to work. There's that level of achievement. It's like it's the squad. If right. you have a squad and like there was a goal, and it's we're playing this right. every Tuesday or every night or every whatever, it makes it better. Yeah. You know, and when you know that you're playing with other like. We would get a squad together, like we're playing Halo 1, Capture the Flag, Blood Gulch, and we're going online to these servers where other people are doing the same thing. That meant that they had a group that yeah. they were doing this with. So then it's like, all right, cool. And that's what nowadays, like there's things, I don't know if game battle still exists. I think it does. Um, but that's why I think things like uh, League and Dota and all that shit are so successful. Is that sure. It does that for you. Yeah. You know what I mean? It sets the shit up for you. Yeah. The stakes are all there. And once you start playing and committing, I can't, like, I understand why people only play those games right. because. That's what they want to do. They it, want to build that community and go from there. This is one of those reasons I think everything we're talking about describing is why Left 4 Dead works so well with me and why I loved Left 4 Dead. It's because Left 4 Dead levels had a beginning, a middle, and an end. Yeah. It ended. And you didn't have to be the expert. You could totally sit down, and if you've played 300 times, if you've played one time, whatever, pick up the Uzi and let's kill everything, and we got to get over there, and I hear a witch. Oh, my God, what's a witch? It didn't matter. You know what I mean? Like... Every time you jumped into that game, you, no matter who your group was, usually it was friends because that was the one that my friends who aren't even into shooters or online games would play, right? Because mm-hmm. it was cool. You're playing a horror movie or whatever. That one worked. And that's why like when we talk about that Friday the 13th game, right, that Cecil mm-hmm. was involved in, it's like, hmm, that sounds like that because it's not, oh my God, I, oh, I, it's not Evolve. I need an experienced yeah. fucking trapper right now to go out. You know, no, 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 no. Just get yeah. in there and be a dumb counselor. And I'm going back to what I'm saying. Evolve would be amazing if you had a group that yeah. wanted to yeah. do that. And uh, I just don't have the 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 want to ha- make that happen. So until something grabs me that way, I, that's that why way. I don't play online video games. <laughs> You're getting weird. How's me coming for you, wiener? I, I know. Okay. I know. Yeah. <laughs> Topic three. Also from Patreon, this one comes from Christopher Nutson. After subscribing back in July, I decided to go back and watch some of the exclusive content, specifically oh. the JRPG episode. Ah. On that episode, Colin states that Nino Kuni was the best JRPG from the PS3 and 360 generation. This made me consider what JRPGs I thought may be better, and I landed on Lost Odyssey. I believe that this was the best JRPG of that gen, and was overlooked by most gamers, even JRPG players. This leads to my question. What are games that you personally believe to be great, but were heavily overlooked both at the time they came out and now? Love the show. Keep up the good work. First thing that comes to my mind is Donkey Kong Country Tropical Freeze. That was the Wii one? That is the Wii U one. Okay. The Wii one, I don't think was overlooked. Okay. I think people liked it a lot, and I think that it got, you know, nice reviews, and people overall saw that as a nice return to form for Donkey Kong and all this stuff, because we got a couple weird ones in between with Donkey Kong 64 and all that shit. So getting a nice 2D platformer is great, even if people wanted Retro to be doing other things, whatever. I enjoyed that game a lot. Tropical Freeze comes out. And it's at a time when no one cared about the Wii U already. Like, it hit that point. And it's like, all right, cool. More Donkey Kong Country. Like, you need to kind of want that to want that. <laughs> you know? Um, I wanted it. I like Donkey Kong Country. I think yeah. it's a great uh, 2D platforming series. And this one, it was one that I'm like, all right, I'll play it when I play it. And I played it, like, months after it came out. And I was like, oh, fuck. This is good. Like, this is really good. Way better than Returns. And I liked Returns a yeah. lot. Um, and... It made me feel 
like I felt playing the original Donkey Kong Country games. And I think that's because so much thought was put into the feel of the game, the look of the game, and the aesthetics of it. And the soundtrack made by David Wise, the same guy that did Donkey Kong Country 1 and 2. And it's what made those games a thing. It's what made them like, you know, it, it was the the glue that held them all together. Sure. And uh, I think I'm, even Donkey Kong Country 3 kind of... Uh, missed out on that a bit but i think that because this game was on wii u and because it came out at the time that it did it was by far the most overshadowed um donkey kong game in a long time and even more than that i think that donkey kong isn't necessarily one of nintendo's like heavy hitters so it's not mario it's not zelda it's not metroid so even for nintendo users i think it's overlooked i think that's why i want to give that a shout out because i can talk about a whole bunch of other things but when a game is a nintendo game that Nintendo people are overlooking, I think that's a problem. Sure. I actually played that Donkey Kong game. And this is a great example. It goes back to the first the first topic. I only played it for an hour or so at at, at IGN, and I, I'm for my opinion that too heavy, too much mm-hmm. weight. Didn't like it. Uh, yeah, Lost Odyssey definitely was overlooked. I mean, there was a lot of early Xbox 360 games, JRPGs, when, when Microsoft was making their kind of Japanese gambit with... Uh, Infinite Undiscovery and Blue Dragon and, and a bunch of games that they shouldn't have stranded on Xbox 360, but that's their fault for making that deal with Microsoft. Um, games that are overlooked. Um, I still think Vanquish is probably one of the massive major games that's that's overlooked. Um, this is a, a platinum third-person shooter. A lot of people ask me, like, what's a third-person shooter that plays better than, than Metal Gear Solid Five? Vanquish. Vanquish plays better than most games um and i think is a, is a fantastic fantastic fucking game and it's been often been said between me and, and a friend of mine that it should have been a gi joe game that would have been awesome <laughs> um it would have been an awesome like i fucking love vanquish it's such a great game uh i think that there are a lot of overlooked um kind of digital products too but yes. but um you know i even think like a lot of housemark games are overlooked uh like in terms of who's playing them i mean they have they have a great reputation in uh the playstation community and hardcore playstation community but their games are like universe, you know, uniformly awesome. They don't make bad games. Uh, they don't even make good games. They make really great games. And so I, I think that any th- any one of their games that isn't being played by millions of people, I think, is being criminally uh, underplayed and underrated. Um, but I mean, any, you talk about the stuff that's overlooked. Anything early PSN, you know what I mean? Like I stand mm-hmm. by how awesome Calling All Cars was. Calling All Cars was so much fun as a local experience, and then even playing online, you know what I mean? But that was like wave one. Of like right after Super Rubber Dub and Championship Sprint came calling wow. all cars, you know what I mean? <laughs> and so like nobody had the system because it was so ridiculously expensive. But it was such, it's so much fun. It's so much. That is one of those games that if that comes out right now, PlayStation Four is a new product. It's gonna not. Don't get me wrong. This isn't insult Rocket League or anything like that. But it would blow up on not that big. But it would get it would get big. There would be a thing. There would be DLC. There would be support. Yeah. People would be behind it. Whereas this one it came out and just languished. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. But even I mean even. When the PlayStation Network has its wheels and is going, like, not enough people play Shatter. You know what I mean? Come on. Yeah, Shatter Shatter's, was awesome. Yeah, you know Shatter what I mean? was a great game. One of those games, every time we talk about it, people are still like, oh, right, whatever. That was cool. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I liked The Last Guy a lot. It was a quirky, weird-ass game. Guy. But it was cool, and it was fun, and why not give it a shot? You know what I mean? Yeah. And I feel like that was the whole thing with the PSN, is, like, people thought it was such a redheaded stepchild. And it, PSN was thrown together, not in the best shape mm-hmm. back then, but still, it had great games. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, I think uh, I mean I like to look at this uh, for, you know look at this question more through the lens of like really not really old but just old games. I because I, I, I think that it's always strange to me when when people don't you know we talk about a lot of the NES or SNES classics for instance and we, you know bring up the Nintendo first party stuff, but even in that family of first party games, there are games that are overlooked like Star Tropics for instance. Or you look at 
uh, early SNES games that were overlooked. I think ActRaiser is still one of the most brilliant games ever made. And, and a lot of people don't, you know, it's a it's a uh, city builder and a side scrolling action game. It's fucking brilliant. It's a brilliant idea. And there's nothing like it before or since. And um, they they ruined it with ActRaiser 2. But it was it was such a great that was an early NX game. Um, Quintet, I think, uh, made it too, uh defunct Japanese developer. Um, you know, so there, there are, are games like that, or, you know, talking about Japanese role-playing games, I think there are, especially in the PS1 era, which I think is really the golden era of Japanese role-playing games, there's a lot of quirky, weird games like Thousand Arms, uh, that people didn't play. Um, even Wild Arms 2, uh, Wild Arms is a really beloved JRPG, as everyone knows, I love it, but, and a lot of people do, but what, that sequel is really good as well. So there's all these, um, these little gems hidden in there, but as we know, like, as, as games come out, like, some things just get cast aside and we just don't get to play them. Um, and then the longer time goes on, the more these games just get buried and you kind of have to rely on the opinions and the kind of the recommendations of others to go back or not go back and play some of these games. But I mean, I can write you a list of games. I mean, the most recent, I think criminally, super criminally overlooked game was probably Taco Master. It was probably Spec Ops The Line, um, which I think is a, an amazing uh, third person shooter, both mechanically and in terms of its story. It's very geopolitical. It's very um, psychological and fucked up. Uh, as I've said before, there are a few games um, we look at when we play uh, shooters, we're killing other people. Right. And it doesn't necessarily mean like not Americans or whatever. we're just killing like in. Although, like when you play Wolfenstein, for instance, that you're killing the, the Nazis or, you know, um, you're killing in Call of Duty, the terrorists or whatever. But in Call of, or in uh, Spec Ops, the line, like you, there are times when you're killing American Civilians. like CIA agents and soldiers and stuff like, like you're you're fighting them mm-hmm. and they're talking, speaking the same vernacular as you are to each other. It's just there's there's it's haunting. It's a it's a totally haunting game. I, I absolutely adore that game. Um, and so I think that that's like one of the most criminally overlooked games for for its character and setting and story alone. Nonetheless, it's gameplay. But I think that, you know, this this is a very uh, uh, subjective kind of question, because I yeah. think that like what what do you base it on? Is it, you know, sales or buzz visibility or yeah, buzz or whatever yeah. i think that i mean i think that it's just as easy to talk about games you know there are games i definitely think too many people played so mm-hmm. it's um yeah so i think the question obviously goes both ways but those are the ones that kind of yeah and the question's hard too because like what's the difference between overlooked or underrated and all that stuff and it kind of comes into it because like a couple that come into my mind weren't necessarily overlooked but i think there were aspects of them that were final fantasy 10 2 i think the battle system and that's great and a lot of that was a response to final fantasy 10 being so radically different from the final fantasy before it where the it was not an active time battle. It was more just like turn-based, like really, really turn-based. And I enjoyed that a lot. But Final Fantasy X-2 really nailed the active time battle. And the whole battle system I had going was probably one of my favorite Final Fantasy, if not my favorite Final Fantasy battle systems ever. It was in a game that had, you know, a story that wasn't exactly any of the other Final Fantasies or whatever. And it had a lot of other things. But the gameplay of it and the, the actual battle system was super awesome. Um, Crash Team Racing is the best kart racer. It just really is. It's better than Mario Kart and it's better than Diddy Kong and Little Big Planet and whatever the hell else there is. Mod Nation Racers, you're saying? You're saying it's yeah, better than Mod I, Nation Racers? I am. Races. I'm definitely I saying I bet that. the load times were but better. It's, it's great. I mean, that game was super awesome. And to say it's overlooked, I'm not exactly is a, a true statement because people really liked it. And a lot, it sold well and reviewed well and all that stuff. Sure. But I think it's overlooked when people look back on that generation and think kart racing, everyone jumps to Mario 64 and the memories they had with that. And I have memories of that too, for sure. But Crash, even then, I was like, this is better. Now I'm a Crash fanboy, but of course, 
the game is good. The game's really good, and uh, the power up system is good, and the power the power slide system and all that stuff is is good, really good. And um, yeah, Sleeping Dogs is overlooked. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Sleeping Dogs is a great one that not enough people talk about. And Amalur. Oh my God! I didn't even <laughs> think about that. You're right. Yeah, Kingdoms of Amalur. Two Colin reviewed games. Two. F- uh, <laughs> if only you would have given him higher. So scores. pretty much Colin. Any go on IGN. Look at the games. Colin. God, Amalur was so good. Jesus Christ. Now you got me thinking of that. I was also going to say in 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 line with your crash one, mm-hmm. one that will be dismissed just because I'm Greg Miller. But Ghostbusters, the video game, had no business being as good as it was. That, that's that actually was a in really good point. development. Hell had all the voices, had a fun story. You know, a bit, you know, walked some very similar territory. But it was fun, and like they actually yeah. made being a Ghostbuster for like eight hours or whatever interesting. We had to switch it back and fight things differently. I mean, that was a very interesting time, just in terms of licensed games, where they for a year or two around there they stopped doing just garbage. cash in cash yeah, in yeah. garbage, right? And you know, we got Spider Man two, and we got a couple like good ones early on, but like. There was Batman, the Arkham games. There was the Transformer, Cybertron games. Yeah. And then there was um, Ghostbusters. And I was like, holy shit, this is like a turning point. And now Batman obviously is what it is now. But the I think the Transformers games are overlooked too because those were... I never thought I'd get a Transformers game that good. That was good, yeah. And it was awesome. It was really awesome, really faithful. And especially after the movies, I expected it to be movie bullshit. And it wasn't. It was great. And uh, I remember playing that Ghostbusters game and being thoroughly impressed by it. Yeah. Um, the Zelda Oracle games. I also want to give a shout out to. Yeah, shout and again, out. not necessarily overlooked. Yeah, but... those games sold very well, but the but the, they're not games. No, they, they weren't developed by Nintendo, and they people don't talk about them when they talk about you know Link's Awakening comes up a lot, which I actually is like one of my least favorite Zelda games, um, as like the, the the pinnacle of handheld Zelda, and then obviously um, you know to a lesser extent Minish Cap or then you know the ones on DS, which I also didn't like at all. Um, but I do agree that those games are fucking cool, man, because th- those games really captured the US essence of old Zelda um, at a time when Zelda was kind of changing mm-hmm. on console. So, uh, yeah, I totally agree that, you know, I'm surprised that people don't bring up Oracle of Ages, Oracle of Seasons. Those are those are fantastic. They, games. Yeah, they, they're old. Now. They had they're a like sense of um, just adventure and fun that I think that Zelda I remember originally having. And then now it's just kind of you, you know what you're getting. You know what the, the races look like and whatever. But the Oracle games like had the characters were just like quirky and weird and new and uh, i enjoyed them a lot and i also like the linking system and all mm-hmm. that stuff i mean game boy was great with all that for sure do you have any more greg no okay that topic brought to you by patreon.com slash kind of funny games thank you all for supporting us and making this beautiful show happen it is really really appreciated i don't know how long this thing goes on for it goes on a while but he could start it early to end it 30 seconds so we just have to fill 30 seconds while that goes. We might be longer. You probably should have requested Patreon.com slash kind of funny games. You should have it. Yeah, you should have it. Um, all right. Well, I'm just going to transition on into the, the fourth topic. Oh, for the third topic, Downhill Domination on PS2. Mm. It was really good. Um, moving on to the fourth topic. Oni. Uh-oh. Oni on PS2. Onimusha 3. Animusha 3 sucks. Colin. I hate Onimusha 3. I love Onimusha 3. Oh, I hated it. Oh, it's so good. I hated it. I, was, so I hated good. it so much. Did you, so did you prefer one or two then? Uh, two was better than one, oh, but I think, God. but I think, but I think that one and two and four, are, and four yeah. and four, you're gonna motherfucking say four yeah. is better than three. Yeah, oh yeah, four Ooh. is way better than three. I can't believe I, that, like, I still can't I believe that series is dead. I like yeah, still it's upsetting. Man, Ani Musha, that was really the first awesome game on PS2. It Everyone was. forgets that. Everyone, that was the first really fucking awesome PS2 game. There were some good PS2 games before that, but like I really like the bouncer and stuff like that, but. 
Ani Musha was fucking awesome. And I, I, I can't... Oh, And they fixed the controls oh. in 3, which makes 3 awesome. Oh, 3 was just... 3 was bad because of the setting. 3 and was the, and awesome the because gun, of the setting. And the Gene Reno. Yeah, Gene Reno was in it. I was like, oh my god, this is awful. Oh man. Just awful. Pros and cons, Colin. Alright, this topic is also brought to you by Patreon and the Kind of Funny Forums. Go to kindoffunny.com slash gamescast topic to submit your topic for this beautiful show. Just like Zizo did. Zizo says, what games currently announced for the 2016 do you think have no chance of making its release date and will be pushed to next year? Kingdom Hearts. Oh, Kingdom Hearts, I mean. I... <laughs> no, no, no chance. So definitive, not a shot in hell. Yeah. Shit. And then if we can't go there, then, then I, I mean, I still, I still see that Horizon could tumble out of this year. Okay. I don't, I don't, I don't. I'm not prepared to say I think it will. I just that's There's one. A that's a possibility that I Last think. Guardian. I think a lot of no, no. way. I think no, people, you think it's this year. For they have sure. to. They have they, they to. They said this year. They don't fuck do around anymore. anymore. Yeah, we'll see. I definitely. I think it will be, but I don't think that's for sure. I think they're going to announce the date like not soon, but I think they'll announce the date and it will come out quickly too. Like I don't think they're fucking around anymore. <laughs> I think the game's probably done. Not like in Gone Goal, but I think the game's probably like being polished. I mean, we haven't seen anything from it since E3, right? I think they just have to shit or get off the pot. I think they know that. No, nothing. Um, yeah. I mean, I don't know. Not that that's necessarily that, a bad that sign, game but... would That game's not going to get delayed. If that game gets delayed, they are jokers over there with that shit because they, they can't do that. They wouldn't even announce the date if they... No, 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 no. Um, shit, I don't really know. I mean, I don't think Horizon's going to get delayed. A lot of the releases that we're really cognizant of right now were, are or that are soon are games that have been locked into the state or have been pushed already. So they're mm-hmm. going to come out. So you're thinking like games like Deus Ex, uh, mass effect mm. maybe, but yeah. I still mm. think mass effect will come out this fall. I think they're just not saying anything. Uh, they don't have to say anything about it. Um, mass effect could be a good March game though. You know, like that could, it, it could, could be, it could slip in away. And I don't think that'd be such a bad thing for them yeah i think that it's a, it's, really a possi- put, yeah. it's a possibility I, I just don't i just don't i think that that like this past fall was really crowded for a role-playing game and fallout came out with a lot of resonance and they just announced it at e3 and released it as we talked about and and uh the game was like the third best-selling game in the united states last year so i think that having only been on the market for two and a half months so i think that mass effect can have a similar success and a similar trajectory in terms of announcing it um and doing all this and then uh, releasing it in the fall. I think it'll come out this fall, but I, that was the only game that came to mind where I'm like, maybe. I can mm-hmm. see Gran Turismo fa- getting out of here, not mm-hmm. being this year, just based on previous track record. Yeah. No pun intended. <laughs> I'm going through the list. It's just like a definitive what you think wouldn't happen. Something's even, I haven't even heard of Elder Scroll Legends. Mm-hmm. I'll say that. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say that Final Fantasy 15, but I actually do think it's going to come out now. Yeah. 15 has to, man. It's, it's time. It is time. If 15 got delayed until 2017, I would. It'd be awesome. No. It would be I, so awesome. It really wouldn't. Like, that, that's just insulting. Like, it, it really would be. But who knows? Not, never say never with that. I'm going to let you keep looking. I'm going to move on. And now, yeah, just move on. Because, I mean, there's plenty of games in here. Like, mm, But it's like, like Hot Shots Golf is on here. And I was like, hmm. Mm. Yeah, I hope it comes out, but that seems like that's knows? the kind of fucking game that they just like all of a sudden like in April be like, oh, it's out in two weeks. You're like, oh, great. You know what? <laughs> Recore. Recore is on this list for 2016. Mm. I don't think Recore is going to make it. Zelda. I mean, I wouldn't oh. be surprised. They have to. They have to put it out this year. That doesn't mean they will. Yeah. You know, X is going to give it to you. 
Yeah. All right. KL3549. I wonder if he wanted that username or she wanted that username or if they're just like, fuck it. Somebody's already got Kale? Yeah. Playing through Final Fantasy VII PC port on the PS4 has got me thinking. What scenes slash towns, etc. are you looking forward to seeing the most and how they're handled in the upcoming remake? I, for one, am really interested in seeing the Temple of the Ancients and the City of the Ancients events will be portrayed. Kyle from Regina. I mean, it's a, it's it's contrived, but Midgar is the one they really have to nail. And I think, you know, I mean, maybe Costa del Sol or something like that or the Gold Saucer. But like, I, I but Midgar is the ominous capital city, you know, mm-hmm. and I think that they really have to have to nail that. I mean, that's what I'm most interested in. And we've seen a little bit of it, but I want to, you know, I remember still a very seminal moment in my gaming life was spending so much time in Midgar and that and when you don't really know what the fuck's going on in Final Fantasy VII, we didn't, you know, I, I had the Internet in 1997, but we, I wasn't like reading much about it and stuff like that the game takes so long to get out of midgar that you think you're never gonna fucking leave and i remember that moment of leaving and being on the world map for the first time this has to be like what 10 or 15 hours into the game or something like that yeah. in my mind I don't, know that's, I don't know if that's true or not but and i remember leaving and leaving this kind of big circular city behind and i'm interested to see like what that looks like mm. um i don't know it, it, it's it's uh I'm interested to see what the whole game looks like. I'm also interested to see when it's actually going to come out. Hmm. Um, probably never. We'll, yeah, we'll see. Yeah. That's true. I'm really interested in Cosmo Canyon mm. because that was one of the moments in the game that I was really like impressed by the the look of it and the just kind of scope of it and uh, like the big tel- telescope and all that stuff and the music and all of it. it. It felt different than the rest of the game, and I'm really excited to see what they do with you know the PS4 and all that shit. Um, and also just the the town. Of Nibelheim, mm-hmm. is that how you say it? Mm-hmm. I don't know. Uh, not, not necessarily. Is that where you meet Sid? Right, Schumann. No, isn't that the the town? There's Nibelheim, the one that gets burned. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. No, yeah. Gotta get burned. The one that's also in. Um, isn't it in uh, Crisis sure. Core? Yeah, yeah, a little bit. Yeah. yeah. So I'm interested in that. Not so much like the the burning scene and all that stuff because we've seen what that would look like in Evan Trollin mm-hmm. and like bits and pieces of uh, CG stuff. But I want to see like the the town because that town had a, a real distinct look to it in terms of everything was really kind of old looking and like there was a lot of buildings you can go into and kind of piece together story elements and like read you know notes left on people's tables and like looking drawers and shit. And that would be interesting to me of what that looks like in a modern landscape. Yeah, there are, there are characters I want to see too, like. Um... And encounters that I want to see, like uh, Yuffie or Yuffie, I mean Yuffie or Yuffie, I always call her Yuffie, I think it is pronounced Yuffie though. Uh, yeah, when you, you called her Yuffie? When we didn't know how anything oh, was pronounced. that's so yeah. funny, I never even heard anyone say that, but that um, makes sense. But uh, seeing her, uh, meeting her randomly in the woods, um, I want to just see like how these encounters go down, and Vincent in the old mansion as well. Yeah. Um, I think they're going to be part of the story now. That would be fucking lame as hell. I think it's going to uh, But they were supposed to be part of the story, they were, they were thrown in, I think, like they didn't you know, the game got too ambitious when they were developing. Um, I was just reading about that recently. I actually didn't know much about the development of the game until recently. Um, I want to see that, but I also want to see like what the Turks look like and mm-hmm. um, and specific because I loved Rufus and the Turks like yeah a lot when I was a kid. I, I almost, they're cool. Yeah, I remember that was the, they were made to be cool. I remember I, in eighth grade in like '98, I bid on a poster like a Japanese poster of them on eBay, and I didn't win, and I was very disappointed. <laughs> um, and. Uh, like just that, not even. I mean, some of the core characters like uh, Kate Sith and and Sid, um, my boy Red Thirteen, yeah, Red Thirteen, and it, I want to see what like what they how they're all rendered and what they look like because it seems like they're doing Cloud looks a little weird to me, but I like uh, the way Barrett looks um, and Tifa. 
You see her a little bit, I think, right? No, you haven't or seen her. Or Eris, you see, right? You see Eris, mm. right, with the flowers. Okay, not Tifa. Yeah. Um, so I, I think that two out of three is not bad. Um, but remember, the game's the most ambitious video game of all time, apparently. So, um, you know, they're going to need to make it into 17 parts, yeah. and it's going to take five years to release them all. But uh, I'm being facetious, by the way. It's a single, completely lame excuse. Um, yeah, but I'm, I'm excited to I'm excited to see... Uh, I'm excited to see all of it because I, I I did play it for a little while on PS4. I thought I was going to get more drawn into it than I did or I was. Um, mm-hmm. But it did bring back a lot of feels for me. Mm-hmm. Feels uh, are good. Having not played they it know that. in a long time. Yeah. yeah. There's something very nostalgic about that game. There's something very special and important about Final Fantasy VII. They better not fuck this up. Mm. Also, the motorcycle chase. The idea of, uh, of playing that, I think, would be really mm. fucking awesome. Wow, B says i'm currently really enjoying fallout 4 my question to you guys is do you think the fallout 4 season pass will be any good and worth buying love you guys keep up the great work greetings from the netherlands Oi! i do i think it'll be worth it i i enjoyed i'm with him i you know i platinum fallout 4 i had a great time with fallout 4 i'd love more fallout 4 i'm anxious for more content to jump into and go and have more things to go level up and go and do mm-hmm. so yeah and but based on track record with fallout 3 I like the Fallout 3 DLC. Yeah, Even the ones that Fallout weren't 3. the highest of the highs, I enjoyed. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm, I'm, what I'm most interested in, and I've said, I said this pre-release when we were just kind of hypothetically talking about, well, talking about hypothetical DLC was, Point Lookout was so good. It's probably like my favorite piece of DLC ever. And it's because they just made a new map. And it was in Maryland in the swamps, and it was fucking weird. And I want to see like what, if they make a little map, or maybe a couple of new maps um, of areas uh, surrounding Boston. Because there's, it would be cool to go to New Hampshire or Maine, um, or even Canada, like I've said that in the past, like, you know, they're in Boston. That's, you know, f- quite far from Canada, but not that far from Ontario and Quebec. And it'll be cool to see or upstate New York, like what's going on in all these places. I think it would be a lot of fun to see that or God forbid, New York City. But I think you'd leave that for a full game. Yeah. Fly Eagles Fly 815 yeah. says, what are some underappreciated features of gaming? For example, Star Wars Battlefront has some of the best sound I've ever heard in a game. The effects of the music oh. really make you feel like you're in a real Star Wars battle. However, sound's one of those things that I never hear a game getting praised for. Are there any other parts or features of games that you get that you feel get similar treatment? Score. I mean, well, that sound, I guess, the same way. Yeah. The I audio mean, part of it does get a bad rap. Not a bad rap, but it's ignored. Yeah. Especially when you go and talk to developers. I'll never forget when we went up to see, uh, I got a tour of uh, Sucker Punch when they and they showed a Second Son stuff for the first time. And it was, they went in like, here's how the audio works. It's not canned. It's all, in, you know, in-game natural. So they were in the woods, like, this is, we went and recorded it hitting leaves. And they went over and like, here it is hitting a canvas umbrella because there's a canvas, you know what I mean? They did all that stuff, but nobody ever sat there and was like, mm-hmm. the ambient noise of second sun is amazing yeah and that stuff would never get called out but i I do think that it when they nail it like that it does add to the overall experience and like i'm someone that knows is that like that those are the things that i look for but again i wouldn't pick them out bit by bit it's more of like the when you talk about an experience and everything else right and when they're not there it's noticeable yeah i think you know one of the big takeaways we took away from the animated series pilot on kind of funny.com right is the fact that people are like there should have been music throughout you know Mm -hmm. what i mean this time oh that's a good point for us we didn't think that, or I, didn't, I wasn't even part of the yeah. conversation. Yeah, you know it was I mean? less music. It was more like sound effects and right. stuff. Right, right, right. right. It, it ambient was a little, noise. A little empty. Yeah. yeah. Um, music can be a little distracting at times. But uh, I didn't me, mean like, well, should have been gone. Like the blaring the whole time. The time. <laughs> um, 
I think, and this <laughs> is less like an overall thing, but whenever um, I see games do something that I've never seen before, I'm really impressed by it. And this doesn't really answer that question, but like Metroid Prime, when you see the oh, reflection, yeah, the reflection the thing, that's a hot. it's those moments. And like when a game does that for the first time, it makes you go, whoa. Yeah. Like that's really cool. And other things like that are when I first played Uncharted back in the day, seeing him get in the water and yep. get out and then his pants were wet and what it, like he left wet footprints. It was like, Oh my god. Right. That's crazy. That's right. possible. That's in this video game. And Final Fantasy 13 had a moment like that for me where their walk animations looked so good where I was like, "Wow, they really nailed like the sway of a butt." You know? And I remember just walking my character back and forth and being like, "Look at that shit. ace." And like moving the camera around. It's like anytime a game breaks me from the experience because I want to enjoy a technical aspect for it, I think that's really cool. Mm-hmm. Two things, one one Weird and not thought of too often. One that's somewhat obvious. One one is interface and menu. Like I feel like there are some games that just understand that volume's a great example. So there are going to be times when you want to go to vo- like vo- like reset a level or go back to a checkpoint, and it's just it should just be like muscle memory. Mm-hmm. Like start down down X, start up X. You know, little things like that. Don't don't make me go into these deep menus. But even if you just need to navigate a menu cleanly, uh, I invert my controls. Sometimes that's in game. Sometimes that's in control. Oh, yeah. So I'm like, like, why is it so hard to like make it coherent for people? I mean, I know there's only, it's like only 10% of us or whatever. So little, I appreciate little things like that, like easy to navigate menus. And that could go that you could parlay that all the way to to um, role playing games with deep systems and stuff like that. I think, you know, actually, I found Fallout 4's menu to be super like cumbersome, like unnecessarily cumbersome. I think because I think the the pit boy is like this accessory that's part of the game that's important to the story and all this kind of stuff. And I'm like, can you just fucking make it eat like a little cleaner, you know? Um, Real quick sidebar. Yeah. I'm sorry. Was the volume good or bad in the, in the interface part? Oh, good. Okay, cool. Good. Just making sure. Um, uh, so th- that's one. That's one of the things I think about. Just random things that we might overlook, similar to maybe ambient sound and score. Uh, that's really good. Less obvious thing is is load times. There mm. are games that load so quickly, and I have no idea how the fuck they did it. And then there are games with load times where I'm like, what are you even loading? Mm-hmm. And uh, you know, I I have very little patience for long load times. Bloodborne was one of those games where I'm like, this is insane. And I know that they, they I know that they passion this fix now. But when it came out, it was insane. You could go like literally make a sandwich. <laughs> like I know people say that, but you could like literally just leave, walk and take everything out, get the mayonnaise, put the bread on the plate, break up the lettuce, put on the meat, you know, like all, and walk back, and it would still not be loaded. And in a game where you die over and over and over again, I'm like, this is fucking nuts. But it was a very clever, although probably unintentional way for you to make, you know, to not be, you know, to be a little more cautious. Um, so I like games that treat player players a little more respect by having better, you know, streaming capabilities. And by that, I don't mean you're streaming the game. I mean, the game's streaming, loading, you know, right, streaming right, right. things in the, in the future that you need um, or, you know, clever loading uh, things that hide loading, like not so clever was like the Mass Effect elevators. Um, but more clever might be uh, Fallout 4's uh, ability to kind of examine enemy models and weapon models and read things or whatever. It's not like the best thing in the world, but at least it masks the loading time. I always so liked I like Uncharted what, and God of yeah. War when you like go through like the cracks. And now everybody does it. God, Tomb Raider. I mean, everyone yeah. does it. But I remember when that first started, you were like, oh, what a smart way not to throw up a loading screen to remind me that I'm playing a video game, right? Mm-hmm. Another one, in the, it's going to sound weird, but stick with me. I think controls don't get enough credit sometimes. It, bad controls get called out all the time. Like, oh. And why did they put the button? Why did they assign this button to do that? And da da da. But I don't feel. I think it's rare that you're like when it's natural and it just works and you it works exactly the way you expect it. It's natural and you expect it, so you don't think about it. Yeah. Where it's like, damn, they nailed how this should feel and how this you know jump in and do this. Definitely. Last question. Last question comes from 
innocence. innocence. Hey guys, my topic is simple. I've noticed that the games I'm playing are beginning to have multiple endings depending on the player's choices. A few examples are Fallout 4, Bloodborne, The Witcher 3, GTA 5, so on. My question is, are multiple endings in games a good thing? Mm. Are they worth replaying mm. the entire game numerous times? Thanks, and keep up the great work. Yes, they're a good thing. And I don't think they're necessarily worth going back and replaying a different way. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like, I think, like, for Fallout's a great example, right? Like, Fallout, you you just make a save. You know what I mean? It's mm-hmm. like, oh, what, you're about to make a choice. It pops up. It's like, once you make this, you can't go back. Okay, cool. No. Jump out, save, and go back and do that. You know what yeah. I mean? Like, that's the way to... I think that's the key thing. Is th- I feel like the game needs to tell me. Like, I need to know that there's multiple endings and that there's choices that change that. Yeah. Back in the day with strategy guides, that kind of, like, answered that for you. Right. You would at least look ahead and be like, all right, what do I need to know? Or like you were talking about with Platinums, you like to look at your trophy list and be like, all right, well, how, do, how am I going about this? Optimize. It's called it, the roadmap in Trophy Hunting. And that's good. You know, I mm-hmm. think that, that roadmaps should be more of a thing that the, the, the game tells us instead of us having to look for them. Um, but I think that even just goes to just let us know there are multiple endings and that your choices do get you different things. Because even a couple of gens ago, like it sucked to like get through a game and be like, oh, wait, now I'm on the path for this ending. And yeah, yeah. it is what it is. Um, but if it's just simple things with YouTube, I think that nowadays it's like you could just watch different endings. For Uncle sure. Don's a perfect example. Like you could play through that game one way and you want to know what if I made this choice differently? You don't need to play it again. You can just go watch it, you know? But some of those are good too that you know you can go back and play from and a certain point. And exactly. And I, I think that uh, it, it depends on the game and uh, if you want to play it. And New Game Plus is a great way to do that. Like I think the games that uh, intelligently add New Game Plus modes that entice Make you, you to play, play again. again in a different way and you get different experience it to me it's when it's just the ending that changes that that's the problem mm-hmm. like if, if they change enough of the game throughout that it really matters and it's not i'm a good guy or i'm a bad guy but i'm really doing the exact same thing uh that's when i i really think the endings matter but i also i always want to know what the canon ending is i hate mm-hmm. it when games are just like here's all the endings like i want to know what the canon ending is and what all just the different fun versions are what if there is no canon? There always is a canon. Always. You have any more, Colin? No, I think that if it's re- if it resonates with the people making the game and they think it's important, um, then that's good. I don't like it for replace, replay value's sake. I think it's stupid. Um, but if there's a reason, if they're trying to say something or tell a story in a way that it is meaningful um, and give people some closure in, in ways that make them feel like their choices mattered then I think that that's pretty cool. Or just to throw, you know, throw people off and just make them think a little bit about what they're doing in the game. And Spec Ops, which we talked about in the last topic, I think was is a great example of that. Fallout New Vegas was another great example of of making choices in games where you didn't even know what the fuck you were really doing. And and I, I love the gray moral ambiguity of that game. Um, but for, to, to just say, to, for it to be a check mark on the back of a box, to say like, well, we have multiple endings. That's fucking stupid. Uh, games with conclusive endings are also great where you tell me your story. You know? Yeah. Um, there's no shame in that either. Even if you have them make choices and it still funnels back into the same thing, that's fine with me. Yeah. This episode is brought to you by Loot Crate. Would you classify yourself as a geek, gamer, or a pop culture nerd? Then this is the subscription box for you. For less than $20 a month, you get six to eight items of gamer and pop culture licensed gear, apparel, collectibles, unique one-of-a-kind items, and more. Make sure to head to lootcrate.com slash kfgames and enter code kfgames to save $3 on any new subscription. We want to believe. With the revival of the X-Files that we've all been waiting for, there's never been a better time for an invasion. An alien invasion, that is. Packed with the thrill of an extraterrestrial encounter, this month's crate features exclusive 
items from the X-Files, Alien, The Fifth Element, and Space Invaders, including a contest-winning shirt and a terrifyingly cute plush. I keep getting messed up because the wording is slightly different than it normally is for, yeah. for Loot Crate. I enjoy gotcha. that. Trying to Jack. keep me on my, my toes. So hop into your power loader and grab your flashlight because Loot is out there with exclusive items from the X-Files, Alien, and... Oh, I just did this. No, no. This is, it just says they it again. They did it again? <laughs> the Fifth Element and Space Invaders, plus some classic sci-fi goodies. We can tell you this. The Loot is out there. Is the loot out there, Tim? Oh, it's out there. Okay. It's out there. Remember, you only have until the 19th at 9 p.m. Pacific to subscribe and receive that month's crate. And when the cutoff happens, that's it. It's over. Jack. So go to lootcrate.com slash kfgames and enter code kfgames to save $3 on your new subscription today. Thank you, gentlemen, for joining me. Thank you, Tim, for having us. Thank you, Kevin, for staying late for this. You're welcome. Oh, Kevin, don't worry about it. No, we're we're happy to give you this job. Stop taking off your clothes. Don't don't do that. (laughs) Stop. We'll see you guys next week, and I love you.